Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 196 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, and for the 196th time, I am joined by my my good friend, Mr. Dave Hogue. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm... I guess I'm a little bit like, I felt like I had all this stuff to talk to you about and we didn't have our kind of pre-discussion. So, bro, I totally gave you the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> like it was well, just like, it's all like coming, like running like into yeah. my brain. And well, like, to be fair, to be fair to you and to explain to the listeners, I, I did try and set up a, a new technology, a new way for us to to try and record, and that distracted us for a solid forty five minutes. So I will I will own the uh, the ruining of the pre show, Dave. That's on me. Well, no, I it wasn't. I don't. I just. I guess my thought was is like I usually feel like we start this, and I've kind of done that data download dump, and <laughs> then we started recording. And I was like, oh wait a minute, I didn't totally do that, but yeah. So, and I guess the one that's at the forefront of my brain that we didn't hit on was the Formula One race this week. <gasps> oh my! I I watched it today, uh, right after work. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, I'm about ready to talk about this for 20 minutes. So. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I, it, like it dawned on me. I was like, oh, we didn't get a chance to process that. No, we're t- we'll talk about it briefly, just because I think we have the chance to make a few converts, not to the Christian faith, which the show is about, but to Formula One, which is less important but very fun. Uh, so, for those that don't know, Dave and I are big Formula One fans. In fact, we took the trip to Austin this year to go to the United States Grand Prix. Um, back in October, October, and um, that was a whole barrel of fun. Very cool. It was my mm-hmm. first, my first form- Formula One race, and yours as well. Not not your first auto race, but your first. You've been to yeah. many, many auto races, uh, auto sports, and that. This was my first race of any kind that I'd ever been to. Because like, I was never in NASCAR or Indy or you know the the drag racing. I wasn't to. I I used to really like rally racing when I was younger, like Colin McRae and that whole like you know Subaru WRX through the forests in Finland and you know all that <laughs> just nonsense. I was into that for sure. Um, but but Formula One since 2017 has really, um sort of captivated me everything about it not just the racing but like the logistics and the grandeur and the global nature and the egos and the money and just like every it's like professional wrestling but real and not fake (laughs) like it has the same like you know like huge characters and it's not just the drivers just the team principles and like all of the politics and and the rumors and the strategy like it is it is soap opera on wheels. And I mean yeah. that in a good way. And this season has been nothing short of um, just this back and forth heavyweight fight between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Um, and the, the race was, it was the very first race in Saudi Arabia ever in Jeddah. And Dave, I, I just, I want your, I want your like two minute take on what happened because holy crap, <laughs> so much happened. 
<laughs> well, I so there's there's one race left in the season. Yes. And that is number 23. And it's this is the this is the first season they've had this many races. Yeah. So the fact so, the fact that there's still a race left and we're in the situation we're in, which I'm sure you'll get to, is that yeah. just it it multiplies the drama. Yeah. So literally number one and number two are tied. I mean, they have the exact amount of points. And we're talking like 396.5 or something like that. I can't remember what it is. And or 369. I think it's 368.5, but the 0.5 okay. is hysterical because there was a yeah. race that didn't actually get raced <laughs> because of weather. And so, yeah. And so they literally, and, and I think the next closest person is at three, like around 300. So they're like exponentially higher than the next closest guy. And then even there, it drops off even greater. So. And, and they just finished what the 21st race or the 22nd race. That's what I can't remember. I can't remember if there's 22 or 23 this year. But either point, they've raced hundreds of miles, if not over a thousand, no, easily over a thousand miles. Yeah. In what, 18 different countries at this point? Because <laughs> there's been a couple right, countries yeah. that have had two. <laughs> yeah. And they are tied. The only difference yeah. is that Max has one more win than Lewis does. And so technically he's leading on the tiebreaker. Yeah. But. Right. This is that, that's not gonna it's not it shouldn't end that way, but I don't know. <laughs> as soon as I say never. Uh but anyways, so Hamilton has won the last seven in a row, which is a record. He's tied. Not the last seven uh, races, the last seven, no, last seven world championships. championships. Yeah, yeah. Um, which most guys, if they win one or two, it's a big deal. Four is a huge deal. Seven is like <laughs> unheard of. Incredible, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's been several races where they have, um, well, the, the, they call it a podium. So finishing first, second, and third in F1 formula one is, is any of those is considered being on the podium. And the two of them have shared like 13 podiums, 18 podiums. I can't remember. So what's in the, there. the stat was, um, it was Lewis, Max and Valtteri, who's Lewis's partner, who's my favorite driver, Valtteri Botes. The three of them have been on the podium 13 times this year. Oh, okay. So it's all three of them yeah. 13 times. So anyway, uh, uh, the race, <laughs> Hamilton clearly had the quicker vehicle and the faster car. Mm -hmm. And they, through the course of the race, um, with like 10 laps, 40 out of 50 to go, 43, somewhere around there, uh, Hamilton passes. Verstappen mm -hmm. and Verstappen, well, won't let him pass, which he's got a history of kind of running him off the road. And he gets, he basically gets the advantage by cutting, cutting <laughs> across the, <laughs> he doesn't, he goes straight when he should have to go around a, a corner uh -huh. and, and gets the, uh, gets, um, well, he keeps his advantage. Yeah. Advantage. He keeps his advantage. Yeah. So anyway, in formula one, there's kind of this like, I like almost like uh, an etiquette, the racing rules, the, you, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, like a NASCAR, <laughs> forget about it. It's, you know, you, know, no, you can cut through the infield and get a better position than you get a better position. No, there's track limits. There's a whole constitution, essentially. They have a different term yeah. for it, but yeah. And it's, it's so, different by track too, which is the most infuriating thing. 
Yeah, that it's is, like baseball. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna play the same game, but the dimensions just make them up. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to give the position back, and to give a position back in racing, you essentially slow down, and the other driver goes around you. Well, in generally, you move out of the in way. Ge- well, and so yeah, so he <laughs> slows down in the middle of the track, and I don't think he. Well, anyway, he slows down and Hamilton smashes into him. Now it doesn't complete. It doesn't take his car out of the race, and that's what blows my mind. Is I know he there is like a two percent chance that that happens, and he doesn't puncture a tire. Yeah, and it happened, and he didn't puncture a tire, nor did he lose his entire front wing. He only lost the right end plane. Like the and fact he that he the rest of the race with it on there. With I know, and, and that like. He should have been in the wall after that. I mean, the fact that it's just, it blew my mind. He got faster. (laughs) Which is crazy. He dropped a second and a half off of his previous fastest lap time without a key part of the front wing. So anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. And And that's just the front two. That doesn't even go into the fact that five drivers didn't finish. That there was one safety car two virtual safety cars and two red flags and red flags means they completely stop the race and restart it. Yeah. So that was another strategy that with, uh, Max being able to put new tires on his, or you get a free pit stop. Yeah. Cause everyone yeah. has to stop. It, it was, it was high drama at night under the lights on the coast of the red sea. And it was, it was really interesting. And, and go ahead. And, and it, it, you know, realistically, there's going to be a, like a quote unquote changing of the guard for the near future. Hamilton's going to be the older driver. Max Verstappen's going to be the new younger driver. He's going to win a world championship. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's pretty dang impressive that Hamilton is not going away and has kind of fought himself back into it over the last five or six races. And anyway, it I find it very interesting and <laughs> you couldn't have scripted it better if you had tried. So, yeah. Well, and that even that leads into the next season, right? Because new so, cars, well, new cars and new teammates, right? So each yep. team in formula one has two cars. There's 10 teams, two cars, each 20 car grid. So Valter Botas is leaving Mercedes to go to a different team. And Mercedes is bringing in a young gun, also British, like Lewis named George Russell, who in the two races he drove for Mercedes last year when Lewis had COVID beat Valtteri. So mm-hmm. like they're bringing in their replacement for Lewis. Yeah, that's and true. It's just like, and, and the cars are completely changing for next year. Lots of new regulations, less, you know, less downforce, less wings, like lots of, they're trying to make it more competitive top to bottom because you know, the top team, it's just money wins in this sport essentially. And so they're trying to even it up a bit, but so like, like how this ends next year, Lewis is still going to have a really good teammate and Mercedes is stocking themselves for when Lewis does retire, that they've got their next stud. I mean, it's just like the rich get richer. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just in it. The fact that the, the drama and the rivalries it's like, to me, it's like college football in that way. It's like the rivalries continue like Michigan, you know, uh, played Ohio state two weeks ago. And this is, obviously dating when we recorded this. So forgive me when you hear this in January. Um, but 
they're like, oh, Jim Harbaugh hasn't beaten Michigan or hasn't beaten Ohio State ever. And it's like, great. Nobody on this football team was on the first two football teams that he and like. So when they bring up that historical stuff to me with college football, it never makes sense. It's like, oh, well, we haven't beaten them since 2012. These kids were all four in 2012. How does that have any <laughs> relevance to what's going to happen this year? Uh, but oftentimes in Formula One, there are people that are part of the team in 2012 that are still part of it. Maybe not the drivers, but the engineers. And like, so like that drama persists. Uh, it's in the rivalry. It's, oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. Yeah. And the announcers are exceedingly British. Which just makes it so. <laughs> Thank you ever so much indeed. Yes, lovely. All right. That's a terrible impersonation. That was more Austin Powers than anything, but <laughs> groovy, baby. Shall we podcast? I suppose. All right. Thank you for indulging that quick little diversion into Formula One. It was just so good, and the season's coming to an end. We're going to have to yeah. wait a whole four months or five months for it to start again. <laughs> <laughs> but onwards and upwards to. Less silly things. Yes. We are going to finish out Hebrews 11, finally. And that means that we're going to do verses 32 to 39 to close it out. So, David, without further ado, I'm going to Cue the fancy reading music in three, two, one. <laughs> and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jap- Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets, and who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained, princi- obtained promises, uh, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sewn in two, They were killed with the sword. They were about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Thank you, sir. So this comes after 31 verses and two episodes of the masterclass uh, detailing. Was it? Maybe it was three. I don't know. Not important. The point is we've been talking about faith for a while now. It's importance. It's role in the lives of believers, uh, how God works with it. All of it. I mean, we've talked about, let's just run through the list here. We've got, Abel and Cain, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and uh, Sarah. And then we move even further down. Still on air, we got Isaac, Jacob and Esau, Joseph, Moses, 
Still Moses, Rahab. There we go. And now we're caught up. <laughs> so we're working through the history of of Israel, right? And God's and God's people in 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 the story of redemptive history. And he fi- he finally gets to Rahab and he's just like, "And what more shall I say?" Like, if you haven't gotten the point yet, if you haven't realized the importance of faith and what it is and what it means and why it's so important to God, then, okay, great. For time would fail me, like, I don't have enough time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah or David or Samuel and so on and so forth, right? Women received back their dead by resurrection. Like, he just, now he's just, he's gone from specific people to just like, in general, these crazy things happened. And you can tell he's, this is like the climax of the argument, right? Mm-hmm. He's gone through the specifics in, in detail, working his way from the beginning all the way up to Israel entering the promised land. He's covered that whole thing. And then he's just like, all right, now it's time to, to, to really to turn it up. We're going to boom, 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 boom. Like we've already driven the point home. Now this is the end of the fireworks show where it's just like <laughs> the, the finale as it were, right? Lots of money in less, in less seconds. Um, and it's just, he's, he's pouring on the initial point. Faith is what matters. We're not saved by our, uh, you know, how, how good we are, how pretty we are, how smart we are, how much money we have, how often we go to church, like all of the things that we tend to judge each other by God is not generally interested in so far as our salvation is concerned, he's certainly interested in how we're judging other people and why we're doing it and how that's probably not cool, but that doesn't come into the salvation bit of it. It comes down to, do you have faith or do you not? And, you know, as, as someone that loves a good point being driven home, uh, I certainly appreciate the way that he's, or the author of Hebrews is finishing this chapter out. (laughs) It's like, beating this horse <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> I'm going to say it until everyone gets it. Faith is what matters. Yeah. Is there anything uh, in the first few verses that stand out to you particularly? Or just that that main theme of like, hey, hey, you, faith is important. Um, you know, um, so you know, a big part of this is these are people that like the 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 odds were stacked against them, kind of a thing. Mm. Um, these uh. You know, um, and I'm not looking directly at my, I, just really that, um, man, they were made strong out of weakness. Um, I don't know if you're quite that far yet, but, um, these people just really had the odds stacked against them. And even like Gideon, uh, God kind of 
continued to stack the odds uh, against him. And it's just that element of um, the purpose of these stories is that God is glorified. Not that the people are glorified, but that God is, is glorified. And it's because of their faith in him um, that he shows up for them and gives them um, what they need to uh, prevail in whatever situation that they're in. So, yeah, that's, I, I don't know, maybe that's just repeating what we've already said, but that's what stood out to me. No, I, I think that's a great call out because like 33 to like 35, you see that the high, the, the highlights of faith, right? They conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, yada, 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 yada. Got the, their dead back from, resur- er, received back their dead by resurrection. But then some were tortured and they mm-hmm. refused to accept, they, they chose torture over release because they chose their faith over, you know, the opposite. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They were wandering about in deserts. And, like, faith doesn't mean an easy, an easy life. We're not guaranteed that. In fact, faith, if anything, guarantees us a harder time. And, you know, most of us suburban Americans are like, <laughs> yeah, right. The Bible doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It does over and over and over again. We just don't hear about it often because it doesn't make us happy. Yeah. Right? Um, yep. And it's not necessarily something that is um, prevalent in suburban America. Because that's the land of comfort. And churches, I don't want to make super generalities here, but it is not common in those settings to hear sermons about hell and eternal damnation and uh, needing to work on your sin. It's all about grace and love and God is, you know, like we, we get pick and choose, right? Um, and that's not all churches in like I, I get it. Don't I know, I know. But there's a reason suburban churches attract suburban folks that like comfort. Yeah. And like to be told that they're okay yeah. and not challenged. It it is what it is. Yeah, so um I'm gonna brag on my son in law here. Um we think very highly of him for many, many reasons. Uh, currently, he is um, in Haiti, and so he did wind up any, going. Yeah, well, he didn't go Initially. before. Okay, and then he's he's down there now. So, um, in context, there was seventeen missionaries uh, kidnapped in Haiti back in October, and um, it's been a couple months now. Uh, I think they released three more of them today. So like five total have been released. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, you know, everybody's telling Shay not to go. And I mean, big organizations are pulling out of Haiti. People that we know who have lived in Haiti for decades have raised their family there. I mean, 
people are pulling out of Haiti. They're kind of, and one, I'm just going to, I do think God's doing something there where there's an element of maybe Haiti shouldn't be so dependent on the United States and (laughs) exactly what we're talking about in terms of comfortable suburbanites. But Mm -hmm. um, to Shay's credit, he's, you know, being true to what he feels like God is calling him to do. And so uh, instead of staying home, because that would be the easy thing to do, he is continuing to put himself in harm's way. And um, <laughs> it's not easy when you're here waiting for him to come home, but uh, especially for my daughter who's married to him. But uh, kudos, because I I don't see a lot of people doing that uh, in this day and age. And the other thing I just want to say is he's not flippant about it. He's he's very strategic in how they get there and they plan their route and they do as much as they can to kind of not draw attention to themselves for being there and, uh, you know, takes it very seriously. It's not very, you know, it's not flippant. And also doesn't have one of these attitudes of, well, God's going to protect me. Nothing bad can happen to me. I mean, very much realistic of, um, he could be, you know, another news story. So, um, anyway, just kudos to him. And I'm glad to know somebody in my life that isn't choosing what's easy and what's comfortable. Yeah. How long is he supposed to be down there? You know what? I honestly don't know. He's been down there for a while and, and they're actually moving forward with buying some property um, to continue to kind of have, cause he, so he, um, he works with, he's partnered with a, a Haitian who lives in Haiti. Um, and he was actually in their wedding and they're going to have like offices in Haiti and they're, you know, they're going to make it happen there in Haiti and not just be all about America and going in when it's convenient. So, yeah, so that's one of the things they're doing. So I don't know to, I guess to answer your question, I'm not sure. Um, I'm guessing kind of in that 10, 10 days to two weeks kind of range. Gotcha. All right. So I guess I just, I, what I appreciate about what you just shared is that there's not the, as you said, the naive, well, I'm just going to go and God's going to protect me because nothing bad can ever happen to me. Right? Like we read what we're reading here and we see that's not the case. And we read other places in the scripture. We see that's not the case. Like the guys and girls, Jesus died. (laughs) If, if nothing bad was ever supposed to happen to anyone, it was him. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I realized that came off as flippant and a bit silly, but it just, it's so obvious. It's so obvious based on a cursory, not even a deep reading, just a cursory scan of the Bible that we are not guaranteed safety or asylum from bad things happening. And that is why the prosperity gospel is so toxic and so unbiblical because it says if you're good enough, 
if you're smart enough, if you're rich enough, if you're godly enough, bad things won't happen to you. And that's just, it is a lie from hell. And the fact that it gets preached is, anyways, I'll leave it at that. Um, And so I guess I'm, I'm just grateful that, um, that you have a, a practical real life happening now story that you can share that reflects what we're reading. Right? So the good stuff, like I said, they conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions, which might be the coolest one out of all of them. No, no, not quench the power of fire. That's pretty cool too. Uh, escaped the edge of the sword, right? But then there's there's the bad stuff. Tortured and suffered mocking and flogging and chains of imprisonment. Stone. They were sawn in two. Not like a cool magic trick, like a really terrible way to kill somebody. They yeah. were cut in half. Killed with a sword. They had to wear goat and sheepskins in the desert. And then the end says, all of these, though commended through their faith, they went through all of the good and all of the bad based on their faith. They did not receive what was promised because they were before Jesus in our timeline. And they didn't necessarily know that Jesus was going to come, right? Because you know who else didn't know what Jesus was about? The Pharisees, the scribes, and also the disciples. They were clueless until after he rose from the dead. And then it was like the Holy Spirit showed up and they're like, Oh, now we get everything that he meant. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to ask him like about the parable of the sower. You know, he went about sowing seeds on the rocky ground and they're like, Hey, um, we don't want to look stupid next time. So can you tell us what that means? <laughs> and he had to explain it to them, you know, and I just taught a Bible study last night at church about Jesus calming the storm. And when they're out in the sea and before this in Matthew, they had seen Jesus heal a demon-possessed person, cleanse a leper, cleanse Peter's mother-in-law of her fever, and then a bunch of her friends found out what happened, and they all crashed the house. He healed a bunch of them, and it got too crowded, so he's like, let's take a boat across the sea. And then he's sleeping, and a storm comes, right? And they wake up, oh, will you not save us? We're perishing. Like professional fishermen on the very sea that they fished on their whole lives, so they know it's a bad deal. And then he goes, why are you so afraid? You have little faith turns, says a few words. The storm turns into calm, which defies the laws of physics. Not only did he control nature, but the way water and storms work, you don't go from waves crashing over a boat to placid calm lake in a second. That takes hours for a sea to calm. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And their response is who then is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him. They're following this guy around, watching him do miracles, and they don't fully understand who he is or what he represents. But they're so captivated that they follow him anyways. But they're completely ignorant to what and who he actually is. Mm-hmm. Same with the Pharisees and the scribes, which is why th- they have two opposite reactions, right? The Pharisees and the scribes get pissed and kill him. 
and the disciples go, I'm super confused, but this is really captivating. I'm going to follow the opposite sides of the same coin. They're both mystified and intrigued and scared. Yeah. Some choose to murder. Some choose to follow, which I think sums up the human race in quite a lovely way. <laughs> um, yeah. But it isn't until after the resurrection when they have seen the risen Jesus. And even Thomas is like, Jesus is like, yeah, touch my wounds, stick your hand in my side. Like, do you believe now? It isn't until that. And then it's not just the resurrection. It is also Pentecost, the, the gift of the Holy spirit and the indwelling of the Holy spirit and the power of God. That's how the men who were cowering and fearing for their lives in the boat, all of a sudden became the men that changed the world and established the church. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of change doesn't happen because they went to the gym and did a few, you know, bench presses. Like <laughs> it is a fundamental shift in nature. They went from being completely clueless and just curious to willing to defy governments and die to preach the word of God. Yep. And it was their faith was rewarded even when they were confused, even when they denied Jesus, even when they doubted, even when they ran away and he died alone on the cross, even in that, the fact that they chose to follow was rewarded with the gift of the Holy spirit. And then their faith is multiplied in, in the creation of, of the church. And I don't know. I, I did one of those things where I talked and blacked out. So I'm not quite sure everything. <laughs> I just like, I, I know that sounds like I'm kidding. I'm totally not. Like, I think I just talked for five minutes and I'm not sure how I started. Um, I think I have a problem, Dave. Anyways, <laughs> my, my point is these people that were pre Jesus, right. That we talked about this whole list, like they did everything based on faith without knowing the end goal. That's how I got here. That's full circle. I just, I just figured it out. Right. And even the people that were with Jesus acted on faith without understanding the end goal. It wasn't until the end goal was like Las Vegas, bright lights, you know, marquee shining. Oh, and then once they got it, they were unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think of someone like Paul who was, not just anti Jesus, but was like murdering his followers in the name of the Jewish religion, you know, like that sort of dude. And once he saw it, every, like it just, so you, you see when, when everything changes and it's, it's crazy to me that these people that were listed in this chapter were able to have the level of faith, not that they were perfect at all. Like, look at that list, whole bunch of screw ups. Right. Yeah. In many, many different ways. But they were able to, by the grace of God, have faith in something that they did not understand, nor did they have knowledge of the end game. You and I, and everyone that will ever hear this podcast ever in any time frame in the future, know what the end game is because it's already happened. So like what's our excuse for not having (laughs) faith? Yeah. 
I think that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's this just it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it just ends since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. And that's that's a whole nother thing that I don't necessarily feel like spending the next thirty minutes talking about. But the idea is we we saw we we know the end game. And you know, their 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 perfection is 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 a different deal than ours because we live post resurrection, post giving of the Holy Spirit. They lived pre, and that's you can go read like twelve books on that. <laughs> <clears throat> man what else what else you got dave anything hit me with it no i don't, I don't really i don't i really don't have anything um i think more to add <clears throat> um Yeah, I just I really do keep coming back to how did we get so off track of what <laughs> being a follower uh, is really all about, and um, uh, the the again it's so what's coming to my mind is the audacity that we have to think that there could ever, there could even be something called a Christian nation. And yet so many people strive for that by their own definition. And I don't even know that I'm, I'm, I'm making any sense right now, (laughs) but I think, I think I know what you're saying, but I, I, some clarity might, some clarification might help me. So, so in not receiving what was promised, I think there's an implicit living in the moment in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is present here and now. It's not something that comes when we die. Um, I, I think these people lived uh, in a way that they believed God was who he said he was. And so therefore they were concerned. They were more concerned about following him. They were more concerned about him being glorified. They were more concerned about carrying out his will imperfectly, uh, than they were with receiving any kind of a reward, um, of having any kind of life that, that, that benefited them. And, in America, Christianity and being an American have become so interwoven with each other. Um, it's often difficult to know which is which, <laughs> you know, and I think that Jesus I think that certainly depends on where you live. Right? Oh, certainly. I, but, but, but I just think, yeah, yes, I would, that, that would be, that would be fair to say. And I certainly have a certain particular 
section of our society in mind when I say that, but me too. <laughs> the just even the basic principle of this idea of creating or living in a Christian nation just does not jive with what I, I read in the Bible. It's not what I read in the gospels. It's not what I see Jesus being all about. It's not what I see um, from these people that we're talking about in terms of heroes of the faith. And so when I say I'm thinking a certain section of the population of Christians or whatever, I guess maybe I should be speaking to, so I'm undoing some of that in my own walk of just mm. being willing to go. Um, I, I never want to say something isn't important to God because I don't know. God could certainly have laid it on somebody's heart to make something important. Yeah. Um, but it just, well, I, I'll say it we seemed hell bent on defending capitalism and it being the most important thing. <laughs> and, and, and again, when I say we, I'm just going to include kind of my faith background and how I grew up and became a Christian and, um, and still see it as being a forefront of just <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I, I had a conversation with a coworker about that today. Um, he is uh, from Austria, and he's a finance guy. And we were talking about, you know, the the pros and cons of living in America versus living in Europe because he came here for a reason, and I have always dreamt of going over there for reasons. And sure. it's 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 based on where we grew up, and the grass is greener on the other side, and the differences, and. Sure. You know, and he goes, he goes, don't get me wrong. He goes, I'm a, I'm a capitalist. He's like, but I'm a European capitalist. So over here, I'm pretty much a communist, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's, it's just the, it's, it's the gradations of that, that spectrum, you know, where you fall on all of that. And, And you're absolutely right that like the American dream has become the gospel for so many people. Mm-hmm. And when you compare the actual gospel to what the American dream is about, which is getting yours and earning yeah. it, mm-hmm. right? Picking yourself up from the bootstraps, being a self-made man or woman, earning your way to the top. That is so anti-gospel, it's not even comparable. Right. There's nothing about what Jesus came to do and did and called his disciples to live like that jives with the American dream. Yeah. Nothing. You know, in a way, the American dream more mimics evolution and the, the you know, the, the, uh, survival <laughs> of the fittest than it does anything. Yeah. Which, hello, look at our society and ding, 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 we have a match. And And if you're not, if you don't believe that God is real, if you think the Bible is a whole bunch of BS... Why would survival of the fittest not be like that? That's the only other option. Why would you not claw yourself to the top at the expense of other people? It makes no sense to live. It makes no sense to live in the middle ground. And that's what is most confusing to me about American culture is, is this middle ground that so many people live in. Like we all know 
that you're clawing for success and for money and for fame and for power and for authority. And you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. But publicly you're going to say that, you know, um, human lives have value and we should be kind and that good and, you know, evil exist and all that stuff. Well, you have no basis for that. If there is no ultimate authority, then good and evil is just absolutely subjective. In which case I'm going to do whatever I want. And if that means I have to step all over you, well, too bad for you. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? If we were lions, no one would care. Nope. (laughs) But we're human, so it matters. Well, why does it matter? If this is all an accident, none of us have any actual value. And the only point of procreation is to carry on our bloodline. What's the point in that? Who cares? When we die, we're dead. So why even have kids? Why care about your children? Yeah. And I say that and people get offended, but like, think about it. If this is all an accident and none of it has any inherent value, we're just here because galactic goop made a planet that sustained some sort of carbon based life forms. None of it matters. So why not do every single thing you can to make your life as easy and comfortable as possible, regardless of how it affects other people? Because good and evil don't exist. And the only time you have is now mm-hmm. and anywhere in between that viewpoint and the viewpoint of what the Bible says is true is just what's the word smoke and mirrors. It's a, it's, it's, it's conflating two antithetical views of life. And that's where we are as a society is somewhere stuck in the middle. Yeah. And it makes no sense. But hey, that's just, you know, my really, um, what's the word? Probably (laughs) ill-advised rant. (laughs) But there it is, live on the internet to come haunt me later in my life. Yep. All right, this has been episode 196 of the Masterclass Podcast. Thanks so much for your time and for your willingness to listen and let us uh, be a part of your life. Because that's super cool. Um, show notes are in your podcast app of choice or at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash one nine six. And, uh, you can find all the, uh, the goodies there links to say hi and, um, check out the Bible verses for this episode. And, uh, we'll be back next time with one ninety seven. Bye. See it.